One of the most interesting moments in Siddhartha to me is when he's meeting uh, Buddha, right? So Siddhartha is this kid that's, you know, trying to find basically enlightenment. And so he's like studying with the wise people of his tribe or his caste. And he is so smart and he's so wise beyond his years that very early, a very young age, he's kind of like, he's seeing through a lot of the bullshit and he's not satisfied with kind of the teachings and the wisdom that they have to teach him. This is my interpretation. When he sees these people that are like masters or the wise men or the gurus of these teachings, he's not impressed enough, right? So he's like, I feel like there must be some wisdom of enlightenment somewhere else that's deeper. So he tells his father, I'm going to leave my fam- our family and our caste and our area, and I'm going to go with these, what do they call the, 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 the ones that live kind of, as, as, not aesthetics, as, the ones that live in the woods and are eating almost nothing and are just like living this super stripped down life of like not talking, not eating much, and just like meditating. Skaten and German. Yeah, skating, but what, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, so a- anyway, so he's like, he's going to go and kind of study with them. Right. And his father really doesn't want that. He wants him to stay with their people and their tribe and whatever, but he leaves and he takes his, like, there's this best friend that he has that is admiring Siddhartha and that sees that Siddhartha is like a special dude. And he's like, always wanting to learn with Siddhartha and is impressed that Siddhartha is always like, always ahead of everybody else of all the things they're doing. So when, when this, his best friend hears that Siddhartha is leaving, he's going with him. And so they go to the woods and they meet these like, these new group that follows this new kind of philosophy to enlightenment. And they're, they're doing that shit. And they're just like learning how not to, how to fast and not, how not to eat and how to sit still and how to like, and they lose all this weight. And they're just like these, skeleton of, 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 of characters just sitting there and just not doing anything, mostly just meditating and suffering. And there as well, he goes through this process of sort of like, sort of like looking around and going, is this it? Are these the people? This is the, even the, like, because there as well, he kind of excels really quickly and he learns faster and he's able to accomplish certain things faster than the average person. Um, and so he's like, ah, I don't know. And then they hear about this Buddha character. And everybody talks about, oh, there's an enlightened, there's somebody that has reached enlightenment and his teachings and people, are, and there's these rumors and these stories and legends about the Buddha. And so his friend is like, I want to go, the Buddha is in our area. I want to go and meet him, right? I want to go and see what, what's up with this guy, with this dude. And so... Siddhartha is like, I think at the beginning, sort of like apprehensive about it. He's like, ah, I don't know, really don't, not, not sure if I really care enough. But eventually he gets convinced and he's like, all right, let's go and meet this Buddha guy. And so they go and on the pilgrimage, on the way to try to meet Buddha, they see the Buddha teaching, like, and they sit down and they listen to him. And the, for the first time in his life, Siddhartha is like, yes, this guy this guy knows what he's talking about. Like this guy has it. Like all these other gurus that I've met in my life that were teaching how to get to enlightenment and how to, they didn't have it. This guy has it. Everything he says, he lives, he is 
enlightenment. I can see it, the way he moves, every word that comes out of his mouth, his whole spirit. Like, for the first time, Siddhartha is like, this guru, I believe. Like, this guy, teacher, I believe. This guy has it. Like, I can feel it. And so Siddhartha's best friend is like, all right, fuck it. This is it. Did you feel it? Did you see it? I'm going to become a disciple of the Buddha. Like, I'm going to walk with the Buddha. I, I'm, I want to follow th- him. And Siddhartha is thinking about it. And he's not sure. He's, like, conflicted about it. And, like, one night, the Buddha and Siddhartha cross paths while everybody else is sleeping. They, like, happen to run into each other. And they start having this conversation where Siddhartha is telling to the Buddha, hey, you know, you are the enlightened one and the, your word is touching me in ways nobody has ever touched me and I see the truth in you and you're incredible. And then he's telling the Buddha, but I don't think I want to follow you or become your disciple. And the Buddha is like, why? And Siddhartha is basically telling him, well, I see all these people that are following you and I don't believe they're on the path to enlightenment because you, you didn't follow a Buddha to get to enlightenment. You just followed yourself. You found enlightenment within yourself on your own path. These people, they're following you in your path. And that might be great, but that's not going to get them to enlightenment. And I feel like I need to follow myself to find enlightenment my, and find my own path. If I follow you, I won't get there. It's ambiguous. The Buddha is both kind of like impressed and smiling at it, but both challenging it in some subtle ways. But it's kind of left open what the real response is. And during that interaction, Siddhartha is again convinced, yes, I will never meet a man like this ever again in my life. And this is the only person I've ever laid eyes on that is truly enlightened. I lowered my eyes in front of this man. I shall never lower my eyes again in front of any man. But at the same time, in that moment, he decided tomorrow morning with sunrise, I'm leaving. Like I'm leaving this place and I'm going to go on my own path. And so the next morning, his best friend is sort of like, destroyed about this and is arguing with Siddhartha and telling him like why are you leaving didn't you see that the Buddha is enlightened and he's like no I, I see it I get it it's like well why don't we stay like we've always been searching we've learned all these things we've studied we've meditated we've fasted we've gone through, well, since we're children we're on this path of trying to learn the biggest lessons and, and be, find the best teachers and now we found the guy you want to leave and he's like yeah this isn't for me like I need to find myself and when he leaves There's a moment in the book where he's basically saying, meeting the Buddha, I've lost whatever my my prior teachings. I've lost my best friend. I've lost all these things because of the Buddha. But I've gained Siddhartha. Like I found myself and I gained myself. And... To me, that was such a powerful moment in that entire book because it's this like Siddhartha develops this philosophy or has this realization that there's many enlightenment can't be taught. So you cannot study it in in and of itself. Teaching in and of itself has a lot of potential, but also a lot of flaw following somebody 
trying to learn from it, trying to become somebody else by following them. There's like a, there's a flaw in that. Like the only way to accomplish enlightenment is to follow yourself. It's to learn from yourself is to follow your own intuition. And there is something beautiful about it because it, the realization of that came to him by meeting the most enlightened human you could ever meet. Like it, it was the Buddha that made him stop following teachers versus, you know, versus some like charlatan or some like, you know, cult leader that was taking advantage of people where he's like getting, he, he didn't get cynical about it, about teaching, about following or meeting the Buddha and being disappointed. He was like impressed beyond belief about the Buddha. But in that impress, like in that moment, he also realized, I will not find enlightenment by following somebody enlightened. Because he didn't reach enlightenment by following somebody enlightened. Right? Um, there's comfort in following somebody enlightened. There is beauty in following somebody enlightened. Uh, but there's also, maybe there's a handicap. Maybe there is a, a flaw or a, a limitation that's not as obvious to people by making yourself subservient and by making yourself go, I'm going to just follow this dude and listen to everything he says. And maybe if I spend long enough following him, maybe what he accomplished will kind of like rub off on me and I'll get it. That is, there's something deeply flawed about that, right? You have to like, Believe enough in yourself to find the truth within yourself versus trying to find it with somebody else, from somebody else. Um, kind of secondhand enlightenment. There's no second health enlightenment, secondhand enlightenment. You can't get enlightened by hanging out with an enlightened person. Um, Certified enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. And that, to, it, it actually, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. It made me, made me think about just like, growing up, right? As a, as a child, you learn so many things about life from your parents, but at some point you're like, you got to cut that line and, and be your own person and figure out your own life. Right. And it's kind of like with a, with a teacher, you, you know, you learn some things, but at some point you'd say, okay, I, I learned from this person what I can learn and from them. And now, you know, I gotta learn things in other ways from myself. Yeah, I got to move on. Like, you know, the, the um, one interesting thing um, that, I, that I just realized is that at the end of the book, Siddhartha actually, like, one of the ways that he, so at the end of the book, Siddhartha, let's say for all intensive purposes, gets enlightened, quote unquote, right? Gets to enlightenment. But the interesting thing is that like one of the really important, like one of the men that he meets at the end of his, towards the end of his life and becomes really close to and spends the end of his life with is this, um, is this man that's like a simple um, ferry man that helps people and travelers uh, to cross a river with his boat. Like he's like a has a little boat and he's like helping people to cross a certain river, right? And this simple ferryman is basically to a large degree 
the final and most important teacher of Siddhartha on his way to enlightenment. Because this ferryman is also enlightened, right? It's just not as obvious as the Buddha. He's not teaching enlightenment. He's just living an enlightened life all by himself. It's too, completely content with that. And, and Siddhartha becomes friends with him and spends time with him and eventually lives with him. And through him, learns the last few important lessons for himself to reach that level. So it's not that Siddhartha didn't, didn't learn from other people or didn't even learn from somebody very important lessons to become enlightened himself, to reach his ultimate goal. But so he did. He didn't learn. Like, I, I got excited for a minute in that book, in that, with that moment with Buddha, because I, I thought, wow, now is going to be the moment where Siddhartha just tries to find himself. And, and this, I identified with, with this moment a lot, obviously, because I had this, all these, a big part of this year's um, inner work for me was learning to f- trying to fight myself again and build a relationship with myself and realizing how important it is to be with me, to listen to me, to spend time with me instead of just being outward focused. So I was like excited about that moment. And I thought, oh, now Siddhartha is going to just try to understand himself better, spend more time with him. And through that, he might get to some place. But that didn't happen in the book. He, you know, takes a sharp right turn. And for a while, really involves himself with earthly matters and gets involved with this like whore in this whorehouse and, and, and with this businessman becomes a wealthy businessman as well and really gets into sex and all that, like all these earthly matters to learn about, about being a human. Um, and then he kind of later discovers on his path, this, this fairy man and becomes friends with him and all that. But the 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 thing is he needed and he used a quote unquote teacher on his path to enlightenment but not in this teacher student i'm going to bow to you and make you my master kind of relationship right there's something there's something to be said for learning about the world and yourself through the people around you and through who they are and how they live. Like a lot, you can learn a lot about yourself and a lot about the world through others. Maybe that's not, maybe this is a massive way of how we learn anything, but it's different when you make these people, your masters, like there's something different about that because you're losing yourself in the process. When you're becoming the follower of somebody, I'm, you know, I'm going to follow the Dalai Lama, I'm following the Buddha, I'm following Jesus, I'm following this. As the follower of this person, to some degree, you're giving up yourself. You're making them the center of your universe. And now you are only defined or maybe defined as a follower of this other person. This person becomes the center of what you're trying to become. And I think... That is a maze, a labyrinth that doesn't get you to your end goal. Right? There's a fine line between learning from these people, being inspired, and becoming their followers. I think being a follower of anybody, there's as, as the main means to 
accomplish what they've accomplished is tricky. Now it's different if you're like, I'm going to be a supporter or a friend, or I'm going to work even for the Buddha, right? I'm going to make like, this is a special dude. And my special power is to make his word travel further in the world or to protect him from bad people or to help him organize. Like that's different. Or I'm going to be his friend. I'm going to learn from him. He's going to learn from me. I want to have him in my life. That's different. Or even I'm going to be his student. I'm going to go and learn something from him and then move on from life. But when you become a follower, you're, you're giving up yourself. And you're doing that with some, like, I'm not worthy enough to be my own identity. And I met finally somebody that I feel like is worthy and so I'm going to give up as much of myself and try to be, take on as much of them to be worthy myself. There's something deeply flawed in, in, in this type of relationship and logic. I think that that's really what, what happened with Siddhartha in, uh, in the book is that he realized, oh, I need to, I'll, I'll get to my final destination and destiny by following my own path. And the Buddha was a teacher, like even that short interaction influenced Siddhartha and the whore in the whorehouse became a teacher and the businessman became a teacher and sex and alcohol became teacher and ultimately the ferryman became a teacher. And like there are all these events and people in his life that all played a part in Siddhartha learning what he needed to learn and experiencing what he needed to experience to become enlightened. But the path that he was on at a young stage of his, of his life where he was trying to find the teacher and become the, the prodigy student to get there, he realized that that is not the path. Um, there's something powerful there. I mean, even in a... I, I, can, I can tell you this from... even my own experience... And you've seen this many times in many different situations, but even maybe much closer when you were working very closely with Chris. There's nothing that is less exciting if you are a teacher in any kind of capacity or a mentor or somebody, a person of authority that has knowledge or powers that other people come to you to learn from you. There's nothing less appealing than somebody that wants to completely lose themselves to worship you. Like there's some people that will come and they're just too enthusiastic about making you this God in their world, this superhero and wanting to do anything and everything to be close to you and are willing to completely like, they, because there's a, a, they're drastically undervaluing themselves and drastically overvaluing you. And it creates this, crazy imbalance that's very uncomfortable it's not exciting you're like very few times i've experienced this in my life but when somebody would approach me as this like oh my god you're the superhero sales guru or startup guru and i, I want to become your disciple in some way even if they don't, didn't use that word but that kind of energy there's nothing that is more unpleasant and uncomfortable like you want to run away from it versus yeah. i think this. go ahead I think there's also a, a point where like 
you can see that at some point, even that person is going to like all these like false expectations they're like projecting on on you. And yeah. When they realize you don't live up to it, they turn into this very weird negative. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's 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 just yeah, bad, bad, bad energy. From the get go, but from the get go, you know what you maybe you uh, already uh, see it coming. Yeah, you see it coming way. because it is almost like the you see that it's unhealthy. Like it's 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 this. It's almost like this person that has. Uh, or some like infectious disease like a parasite yeah it's like this person with an infectious disease that is sneezing around in the room and he wants to hug you kiss yeah. you and sneeze in your face and you're like mm. yeah. yeah like you're like both thinking <laughs> no <laughs> get away from me and from <laughs> everybody else and you're also <laughs> thinking dude like you have some empathy because you're like i see that you're not healthy but you also have some judgment about like why don't you realize that you could do harm to others? Like just take the time to get healthy, right? There's these three layers of it. These people, they're also like, you know, they're not just, oh, I want to worship you and be around you. But then they're like, I want to go around everybody else and tell them about you in ways that you're like, I don't want you to be walking around telling people about me, right? It's like, don't do that. Don't do any of this. It's just not healthy. It doesn't, it seems very much not healthy and you're like this is not gonna end well neither for you this is not your cure but this is not going to be good for me or for the people for anybody else involved um now the the interesting thing to me is like who enjoys and loves having these followers right like why do we why do some people choose to have followers i can't even go like i mean there's there's an obvious at the lower end of the spectrum there's an obvious well there's some cult leaders or some egomaniacs that love to have like followers that will do anything and everything they tell them to right sure fine that's simple but what about like a jesus christ or a buddha or whoever like what about the type of person where you would say this person is truly has good intentions, is something valuable to teach to the world, is self-aware and wise, but is not rejecting the notion of somebody wanting to be the devoted follower. That's an interesting question. I don't have an answer to that. Like, why? How could this relationship be useful and valuable in some context? Because the only way I can see this being useful or valuable is when you take advantage of these people to some degree, like short term. I, I also don't know if any of these people like actively encouraged followers or, or kind of not discouraged people who had like a follower. But I, I also think like just on a on a even even if we are like not on either end of the spectrum, I think just as a human being there's also something like we it's normal to kind of enjoy power or people looking up to you admiration right all this is like it is a pleasant thing it's it's kind of like you can like a, i don't know like a sweet or a, a, a um and i think we've all experienced the opposite of that where we're like you know we've been we felt disrespected or, or and um maybe the more 
disrespected you felt in the past, the more you kind of crave that then and, and go to the go to the spectrum where you're like, oh, I, I'm gonna kind of harvest this and cultivate this more and more. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it doesn't have, it's not that the, at the core of the book Siddhartha, right? And, uh, and we don't have like the answers to it. I just find it an, it's an interesting mm -hmm. question to ask mm -hmm. because, I mean, for sure, everybody, listen, even, even things that you reject, um, maybe even the, 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 the act of rejecting itself can be satisfying in some weird way, right? Maybe your rejecting follows makes you feel, right. you know, so enlightened or wise. Um, right. Sometimes it's also like the, 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 uh, the absence of it might be a bigger problem than the presence of it. So I was just thinking about this. Like there's certain, like when I'm on stage and I give a talk and then people come and they shower me with what I perceive to be sometimes overly excited, enthusiastic positiveness towards me, right? Where I'm like, they're just high on whatever, whatever they got from me on stage. And so they're like a bit too amazed by me. I have no problem shielding that. Like I don't get high on their high. I don't think terrible things about them. I don't think great things about them. I'm pretty like emotionless. I'm just like there, I'll smile, I'll hug, I'll chat with them, I'll keep it moving. And if you ask me how much emotional high do you get from having like 50 people surround you after a talk and tell you the most amazing person ever. And I'll tell you honestly, and this is, this is the truth, very little, if none. Like I'm very, I'm ice cold during those interactions. I don't get anything from it in that moment. Like I don't get like a little bit of like, oh, I'm amazing. Or I like a little high inside of me or something, or I'm important. None of that. I, I'm, pretty much I feel nothing. It's like almost like packing sandwiches or something. I'm just going through a process. I'm like shaking hands, smiling. Thank you so much. Oh my God, you're the most amazing person. Thank you so much. It's very nice of you. Thanks for listening. Hey, nice meeting you. Want to take a picture? Let's take a picture. Okay, cool. Goodbye. Like I'm very, I'm just like working through this, right? And I don't feel much, but if I was on stage, I come off stage and there's nobody that would come to me to give me a compliment that would hurt that would get me actually like confused a little bit i'd be like wait why mm -hmm. like so mm -hmm. the absence of it would not like right. would actually sh because i'm just expecting that it i'm so yeah. i'm so amazing people will be amazed by me nobody's <laughs> amazed by me this is going on <laughs> right i it, it would it would fuck with me the absence the presence of it gives me no direct pleasure but it satisfies my self-image like it's like I am amazing on stage. And then when everybody comes, like that's a belief I have. And then when people come to me to tell me to confirm that self-belief, I go, yep, I, I knew it. I, I know that I'm amazing. But if I believe I'm amazing on stage and then all of a sudden something I've come to expect is not there anymore, I would go, why am I not amazing to these people? Like what happened? <laughs> right? it, it would, or like I never... I honestly never care to compare myself with other speakers or, or even pay attention to like, oh, who else is speaking? Are they better than me or not? Whatever. I, I, I'll come. I do my thing. I, 
I try to add value. I leave. I don't care what else happens. Fine. But that's true as long as I get my expectations met. If I ever gave a talk and I leave and then on Twitter, there'd be like no tweets about my talk, no praise, no nothing. And then when I check in on the event, it's like full of praise about this other person that gave a talk. It would fuck with me. I'd be like, wait a second. I give a talk. Nobody cared, but everybody thought this person was amazing. Like, so it's, it's funny that even though I don't get a direct high from it and I feel like, oh, I'm above this. Like, I don't, if somebody tells me how amazing I am, I'm not, I'm not buying that bullshit in that moment. I'm not thinking, oh, all you people, I'm going to be at that bar. Let's hang out and let's keep you admiring me because this is a great high I'm getting from it. Like, although I'm not that, I'm just like nice and moving on and I don't feel anything. I've come to expect that that's the reaction I'm getting. And if I didn't get that reaction anymore, it would bother me. Right? It would fuck with my confidence or with my self-image. I'd be like, because my self-image is not, not divorced from uh, the real world. Now, as you said, maybe there are people that never encouraged having followers, but just didn't discourage it either. Maybe they saw there's a, you know, there's not good and bad. It's just a, for some people, this is the right thing. This is the right path. It is to be the follower of the, some people following the Buddha is their destiny or their path or what they have to go through either for a short period of time or for the rest of their lives. And for Siddhartha, it just wasn't, right? But there is a deeper truth in that it's not like everybody who became a follower of the Buddha or, you know, a certain amount of people, the best followers of the Buddha all reached the enlightenment and the nirvana or something, Right? It's not that following somebody will get you to what they have gotten to. Maybe the very act of just following them blindly is like in and of itself is maybe difficult for you to then get there. Seeing them as teachers, learning from them, becoming their peers, becoming their friends, even seeing them as your mentors, but having the energy of some, not losing yourself, of like seeing them to some degree as your peers as well. Like Basti is a great example of out of all the interns that I've ever had, he was from the get-go one of the few ones that had this perfect balance of, I want to learn from you. You're amazing. I want you to be a mentor of mine, but I'm not going to be like, I'm not placing myself below you. As a human, we're equal, right? I'll come to you to ask you a bunch of things and learn from you. But then I keep it moving. You're not a god. Like, and that's a relationship that you know I loved from the get-go. I'm like, this little fucker is so confident. Like, and he's he'll go places and he will go his own places. <laughs> um, and then there were other people that had much more of that, like, I'm just here to follow your gospel and I'll do whatever you do, and I just want to copy paste you to be like you. And that's less fulfilling, less exciting of a relationship um, in general. 
But I think for the for the Siddhartha book, to me, still one of the the core moments is that moment where I think he realizes, oh, you know, meeting the Buddha has taken away some things from my life, but he's gifted me myself. Like I've realized that I need to find myself and listen to myself, find my own path. Um, This is probably one of the most difficult things for us to do as humans. 